Nine o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful holiday. Jim with you, along with the Buckeye boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It is a wine about a Wednesday, though we're not giving away a bottle of Talon wine today, but uh, we are giving you a chance to win Broncos Chargers tickets, uh, courtesy of Cruisers on Horizon Drive and also on Orchard Mesa as well. Chance to get that final qualifier this hour. Then we'll draw the winner for uh, those two tickets for this Sunday's game. Is Russ the problem? Because a lot of people feel like that with Russell Wilson, with the two incompletions on that last drive against the Patriots on Christmas Eve, that uh, Russ is just a problem. We've looked at the numbers. Russ's career numbers are pretty much what you're seeing this season from Russell Wilson. Also, Russ didn't give up the two Bailey's happy touchdowns. Didn't realize Russ was playing uh, defensive back. Got some thoughts yeah, on yeah. It's just terrible, terrible <laughs> coverage by Russ on those plays he wasn't on the field for. Because he doesn't play defense. You know, if he was out there, maybe he has better coverage. Maybe yeah. so. All right, nine oh one, and uh, once again, we'll uh, qualify another uh, uh, member of the pile for uh, Sunday's game: Broncos and the Chargers, which you can catch on the team at noon. Time right now for a little CSU Rams men's basketball with Brian Roth. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth, on the Jim Davis Show. And joining us right now is the voice of the 15th-ranked Colorado State Rams men's basketball team, Brian Roth, joins us. Good morning, Brian. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Hopefully you and the, the Roth Ruffians had a uh, a wonderful uh, Christmas. Uh, what, what did what did the, the Ruffians give you, give Dad, give the Dean of Roth University for Christmas this year? Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, it was a great Christmas for uh, for the headmaster over here, the uh, university president. I uh, feel like I get treated right, like royalty. Uh, I got a uh, Blackstone grill. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good for Cafeteria you, sir. upgrade for Rothstein. <laughs> Cafeteria upgrade. I like yeah. that. Very good. Well, I, I, got, I already have a Traeger, but uh, I was at a buddy's house late summer having uh having a barbecue and he was using a blackstone and man i just fell in love with it i had to you know i was telling my wife like we need to get one and uh, so that's what they gave me so i'm I'm looking forward to using it at at some point well very good well i'm glad you got uh, exactly what you wanted for christmas well deserved sir well deserved and and uh for rams fans uh and for isaiah stevens in particular he gets a really nice christmas present he is the all-time leading scorer now in csu men's basketball history after uh, the win this past uh, weekend uh, to, to set himself up as now the all-time leading scorer in Rams history. Well, we knew when he said he was going to come back for his fifth season at Colorado State that, uh, barring an injury, he was going to become the all-time leading scorer at Colorado State. And it was just going to be a matter of when. What what game was it going to be? And, and you knew it was going to happen early in the season. Uh, I think it was for him to break the record this year, he was going to have to average like seven points per game throughout the course of a a 30-game season, which we all know that Isaiah Stevens is going to average more than seven points a game over the course of a 30-game season. Of course, he leads the Rams in scoring at uh, just a shade under 18 points per game. And so you figured it was going to come before the new year, and it certainly did against Loyola Marymount on on Friday night. Just what what a stud. I mean... It just gave me a chance to kind of kind of reflect. And of course, we had uh, we had him on a post game show and had a chance to kind of chat with him after the radio interview. And, and you know, we were discussing the fact that you know Isaiah Stevens played his I think it was the fifth fourth game of his career in that building. 
as a true freshman. The Rams played at Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles in 2019, and Isaiah Stevens was a freshman and looked at the box score of that game. And just his fourth or fifth game of his entire career, and he had 21 points, five assists, and five rebounds in like 37 minutes of play for, for a freshman on the road just getting baptized in Division One basketball. And so everyone obviously knew early that this dude had something special. And now to fast forward five years later and on that very same floor, you know, he becomes the all-time scoring leader. He just does it in so many ways. And I think he hit his first four or five shots in the game the other night. And they were spread out through the first 10, 12 minutes of the win against Loyola Marymount. But he was getting to any spot that he wanted to get to on the floor and was just dissecting LMU to where, I think I said in the broadcast, uh, my partner Adam Nygaard said, look, if, if, if Isaiah Stevens won 35 points tonight, he can get that easily. But that's just not the type of player he is, right? He's going to make sure that the offense flows, that everybody's getting involved. And, and, and it's never been about Isaiah Stevens getting his. It's always been about Isaiah Stevens leading his team to be the best that they can be and in the process, rack up wins. And that's what his career has been all about, and it's certainly been a lot of fun to watch. And he had just 14 points. He got 19 points against Loyola Marymount to, to become the all-time leading scorer, surpassing Pat Durham, uh, who uh, played for the, the Rams uh, back in, in the late 80s, uh, went on to have a, a little bit of a, a cup of coffee with the Minnesota Timberwolves and Dallas Mavericks before he played professionally in Europe and then retired in 2007. But... Uh, Pat Durham, uh, you know the, the guy that that held the record, and I, I, I guess has he heard as Isaiah heard from Pat Durham or at all in regard to eclipsing his mark? Well, I mean, certainly he he knows Pat Durham. I, I'm not sure if uh, Pat talked to him after the game, or maybe if those two have touched base since the game. But Pat Durham came back a couple of years ago because you know Pat Durham for you know what almost 30 years was not only all time leading scorer at Colorado State, he was the all time leading rebounder at Colorado State. And then uh, in the 2020 season, Nico Carbaccio uh, for the Rams, who was just a double-double machine, Nico, uh, you know, certainly one of the one of the all-time great basketball players at Colorado State, uh, broke the record. And the, the next week, Pat Durham flew into town and was a part of the ceremony of just kind of passing the torch from, you know, Pat Durham as the all-time leading rebounder in program history to to Nico Carvacho and Pat had time to spend around the team as well. And um, so they, they definitely know each other, whether or not they've been in contact. I, I don't know, but you know, Pat Durham is a, is an outstanding human being and was an outstanding basketball player for Colorado state. One of the great ones. Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams joining us today on the team sports network mentioned the, the Rams currently ranked 15th in the AP men's basketball poll after the win against Loyola Marymount. And uh, you look at that game, 76-67, Rams with a really strong first half, but to uh, give uh, Loyola Marymount credit to Brian, they, they really pushed the Rams in the second half. Well, they did. And, and I think, you know, at, at first glance, you, you look at that game and, and maybe you don't follow college hoops too much and say, oh, on the road, Los Angeles, that's, that's going to be an easy win against Loyola Marymount. But, you know, that, that wasn't going to be the case. And uh, Loyola Marymount... Uh, their their numbers at Ken Palm, I think, had them at 120 going into that game. So not quite a top 100 game, but but you know certainly not a not an awful program. The Loyola Marymount team again is picked to finish fourth in the West Coast Conference. Uh, they 
They won at UNLV earlier this year, and, and you just knew that was going to be a tough game, and it was going to be. Now, CSU came out, really took control of the game early on, but again, you're playing in somebody else's building. You're playing on somebody else's home floor. You're always going to get their best shot, and this is also something that Nico Medved has talked about recently, is the fact that you know sometimes when you're under the radar, as Colorado State usually is, right, they don't have a number next to their name as they do now, um, you know, you're not sure if you're going to get everybody's best shot. But because the Rams are ranked, uh, you know, that's a major opportunity for, for teams when CSU comes on their schedule now. And and you just knew that last Friday night you were going to get the very best shot that Loyola Marymount had. It. And the Rams came out, pumped them early. But LMU made a nice run at the end of the half. And then, man, they just started to get going from deep. And, and seeing they couldn't miss, I hit, think they hit six of their first seven threes to open up the second half. Their point guard, Will Johnson, hit eight threes in the game. And next thing you know, you have a 16-point lead. You get into the second half. Loyal and Marymount comes back, and they take the lead, 44-43. And all of a sudden, you're in a dogfight there with about 13 minutes to go in the game. You're down. The crowd's into it. And that's Colorado State. They had to you know, look at themselves and say, hey, how are we going to respond here? Well, CSU responded with a 13-1 to run and retook control of the game. I don't think Loyola Marymount got it below, uh, I think, five maybe was as close as they got after that point. And it was just a, it was a professional win for Colorado State. And again, you look at the, the box score and say, oh, yeah, you win by nine. Uh, you know, road win, you, you do it in the, you know, the, the way that everybody expected the 15th-ranked team of the nation to, to go and, and, and chalk up a road win. But... That was a nice win for Colorado State, and, and it assures them now just a one-loss non-conference with just Adam State left on Friday night. And it assures them heading into conference play uh, to be really the team that everybody's gunning for as a nationally ranked program. Voice of the CSU Rams, Brian Roth, with us today on the Team Sports Network. You mentioned Adam State out of the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference. Uh, our local team, the Mavericks, went down and softened them up for you uh, a week or so ago. So uh, you're welcome, Brian. Tell uh, Nico that uh, Mike DeGeorge is glad to soften up the Grizzlies a little bit for you. <laughs> Coming up on Friday, but Destin Williams for them, good player, 15 points per game. But it's, uh, once again, it's another Division Two team. And last time out, it was uh, you know, out of the RMAC CSU Pueblo, a nice home win on that Sunday for the Rams, and now a Friday night game coming up against Adams State. Yeah, and it's another opportunity to kind of try to get healthy, too. And, you know, CSU still without Jalen Lake and still without Josiah Strong, two of their top guards. But we do expect, and again, I haven't spoken to Nico Medved since uh, since Saturday morning, um, but we do expect Jalen Lake to, to give it a go against Adams State and see if they can kind of get get him going before that conference opener against New Mexico. You know, Lake, remember, he, he broke his left index finger uh, in practice two days before that Colorado game, played against the Buffaloes in that matchup at Moby Arena, scored 16 points, playing with a broken left index finger, but had to get surgery on it. You just you just have to take care of that stuff. And so he did, and, and they're hoping that they're going to get him back here. And then, you know, of course, you get New Mexico in next Tuesday and then Lake can have one game under his belt because he's a key, key guy for Colorado State. And you look at the Rams the last you know, two and a half, three weeks, playing without two of their top six players. And I, I think that kind of goes unnoticed a little bit because those two of the top six aren't necessarily the guys that, 
that are averaging double figures that uh, are, are big-time names, but certainly crucial guys in particular in leadership. One's a junior, one's a fifth-year senior. Shooting, both shooting over 35% from deep. And then defensively, stuff that doesn't necessarily show up in the box scores, those two guys are two of the best, if not the best, perimeter defenders for Colorado State. So you're going to start to get healthier. You get Adam State coming up on a Friday night, and then, man, let's ramp it up because uh, you're going into a Mountain West conference that has five teams in the top 40 of the net rankings, and it's going to be a grind each and every time. I know I think talked to you about it on the show last week, though, Jim, that yeah, you, know, you get New Mexico at home out of the gates, and, and New Mexico's on the, on the cusp of being ranked, one-loss team. You go on the road at, at Utah State, a one-loss team, and then on the road at Boise State, a team that uh, you know has struggled a little bit, but a team certainly is capable to make a run and, and certainly can challenge for a conference championship. So um, here we go. Buckle up. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's that time of year where you get into conference play. And like you said, that New Mexico team playing really well right now, 11-1 and on the season. And um, they, they've only played uh, one road game so far, but 6-0 uh, and at home. Of course, they have to come to your place on Tuesday to open up uh, Mountain West Conference play. Hey, Brian, appreciate the time. Happy New Year. Always appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. And, and uh, you and your family enjoy uh, uh, the New Year's holiday. And uh, we'll be talking to you on Wednesday. Absolutely, and before I go, you know I'm a big Bronco fan. I heard you guys talking about Russell Wilson. Sure. Look, just because the defense played terrible doesn't mean that Russell Wilson isn't at fault. And those those two two things can be true at the same time, all right? Russell Wilson, do you believe we're going to win a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson in the next five years? Uh not if the well, running, yeah, yeah, no, not unless the running game gets better and the defense has to be more consistent. No, no, I think I think Russ is good enough. Even if that happens, yeah. do, do you think Russell Wilson's the guy to he, do that? He's done it before. I, I get it that I, he's thirty-five now, well, approaching thirty-six. But uh, yeah, bro, yeah, I just don't know what the options are right now, Brian, because the, the Broncos at the extension for Russ put themselves in a, a really difficult spot. They are hamstrung no by what you know the decision they thought they were. Russ plays well. He goes on the open market. Then Denver doesn't retain him. They thought, let's let's get ahead of this thing. Let's that they're going to save money. He's going to have some you know, a great season. And you look at the numbers right now; they're on par with what he's always done. I just don't know what the answer is right now. I just don't feel like there's a better answer than Russ right now, considering the the, the dead money and and the and those things that are associated with walking away from Russell Wilson. I know. It's, it's a tough situation. There's no question about that. But just because Russell Wilson isn't the main problem on this team, the most glaring problem, that well, he was probably number two in line last year after Nathaniel Hackett, doesn't mean he's not a problem for this team because he is. That's my own opinion. We've been going back and forth with my buddies about this <laughs> since, the game on, uh, since the game on Christmas Eve. So he's part of the problem. All right, um, Brian. We always appreciate, always appreciate right, it, man. Thank you so much. Have, have a great, <laughs> have a great holiday, you. Brian. Take care. All right. Brian Roth. I don't. Yeah, they could win. Yes, they could win a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson. Because because the Seahawks did. They got to two. I, I'm I'm like I. But they could also miss the Super Bowl the next five years, no matter who's playing quarterback. Exactly. Because I, I, like, it's, they're the, not built right now for playoff success. Once again, are they better than they've been? 
Yes. That's what, you, that's what you have that's what you have to look at right now. Are they better than where they've been? Yes. Is it the kind of the, the kind of improvement you were hoping for? No, no. Obviously not. But here we are, regardless of what happened on Christmas Eve, get it, it's a 1.4 <laughs> probability to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But they're you still in it with me there's a chance. They're still in it with two games to go. It's not great. They have not helped themselves. No. Defense didn't help them in Detroit. Defense didn't help them Saturday. I mean, Sunday, excuse me. Get the days mixed up. Saturday for the Detroit game. Sunday Mm -hmm. for the Broncos and Patriots. I I just... Is Russ culpable here in some level? Yeah. Sure. I'm not going to say that he's not. But is he the number one problem? And do you have a better solution than him? And for me, that's the point. I'm not hearing it. I, and I like Brian, and I appreciate his contributions. It's a disingenuous question to think, is Russell Wilson going to take this team to the Super Bowl in five years? We don't know. Do you feel Russell Wilson can win the Super Bowl with this team? Well, no. But can you name me any more than five teams out there where you feel definitively that quarterback can take him to a Super Bowl? Because... How many have and could possibly again with the way the team's set up? Because that's part of it too, right? The quarterback can be playing phenomenal, but if the team around him is not very good, which is where the Broncos are at right now, it doesn't matter how good he is. You have Lamar, Mahomes, so there's two, Jalen Hurts, and... Would you put Matthew Stafford in there only because he's done it before? So there's four. Is there anybody else in the league today, this morning, that you're like, they're going to the Super Bowl? That quarterback yeah. can... Bro, I don't know remember, about remember, Brock Okay, Purdy. Tua. Remember Tua? Yeah, I don't know about people, Tua. People thought they were, they were done with him after his rookie year, that they mm-hmm. should... That that was a bad decision, shouldn't have drafted him. It's because the coach, Brian Flores, didn't want him anymore. Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. Mm-hmm. There was a question about Lamar Jackson, whether Lamar Jackson is an elite quarterback. Right. Even though he'd won an MVP, there are people that, that question him. And even quarterbacks that have done it. Joe Flacco's the Super Bowl MVP. Do I think he can take the Browns to the Super Bowl? Sure. Is the reason they're going to miss it because of Joe Flacco? Also probably yes. Yeah. Like So, I mean, it's kind of a disingenuous question at this point. I did text Brian Russ Hader. I said, ah, I said, you're banned. Yeah. You're banned. You're banned until next Wednesday. <laughs> you got a six-day suspension. From the gym Hope you learn from that, mister. Yeah. Hope you well, learn did you from... learn your lesson? Go be on Houston's Jim Davis. <laughs> oh, sorry, Kareem Jackson. <laughs> 919. We haven't even really talked about Kareem Jackson. Ah, well, that, I mean... to, that to me is a... Yeah, if we don't keep him, that's okay. Yeah. I'm kind wasn't of wasn't that? There. I mean, it was like, yeah, if he's still around for the last couple of games, mm-hmm. that's all right. But if he's not, that's okay. It was very much a, oh, look, they cut Kareem Jackson. Oh. <laughs> so somebody that's somebody claimed was. him off waivers. Oh, like, oh, my darn. oh well, too bad. Like, oh, it's Houston. Mm, that ship has sailed, ain't it? Yeah. Because, you know, this is probably it for him, age 35. Yeah. There, there wasn't a ton of takers. I mean, Denver came back when Caden, well, they wanted him to back up Caden Stearns. Mm-hmm. And, 
and give them some veteran depth there. He was not going to be a starter. He's already lamenting, how am I going to play the game these days? Which says to me that he's he's done. Yeah. And Denver is ready to move on. And... Foot out the door. All right, 920. We'll take a break. We'll come back. But first, though, let's go ahead and get to somebody, our final qualifier for today. Yeah, that's right. For those Broncos Chargers tickets, courtesy of Cruisers on Horizon Drive in Orchard Mesa. Thanks to, to Jude once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Broncos tickets, it's a pair of tickets for Sunday's game. And uh, once again, they're Section 315 Row 16, seats 8 and 9. Pretty good seats. Pretty good seats. Courtesy of Jude out at uh, Cruisers. So uh, we'll get another qualifier. Fifth texter qualifies. Please put your first name, last name on your text. Uh, Also, but it'll go Broncos on there. And keep in mind, if you can't can't go, then why are you texting? What's the point? Okay, please don't do that. Because we've had people on, on occasion do that. And they're like, oh, I can't go. Well, if you're not really, really sure you can go, then don't text it. I love those tickets. Can you go? No. No. Well, then why are you texting in? What are you going to do? Frame them? <laughs> you're kidding. What are you going to do with those things? All right, 921. So, uh, hey, did one... you go to that game? No. Yeah, I passed. All right, so uh, text in right now. Fifth texter gets qualified. Once again, qualified with uh, Daryl and David, who have already qualified for the tickets this morning. Send your text in to the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, 970-242-1340. Cuckoo, loony, and crazy. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 925. Jim along with the Buckeye boy. Still looking to get a couple more texts in for our Broncos Chargers tickets. Courtesy of Cruisers on Horizon Drive in Orchard Mesa. So uh, text in right now. First name, last name. Let's go Broncos to the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, 970-242-1340. couple of texts to get to this morning. One's from Mike in Scottsdale. Listen on the mobile app. Good morning, muchachos. I always say if a team wants to fire a coach or release a quarterback, they have to have a better answer. There's no better answer in that list of free agent quarterbacks that you read. The one we mentioned earlier this morning, which was kind of highlighted by Kirk Cousins, but Baker Mayfield's on that list. Marcus Mariota, just to name a few. Brian Tannehill as well. Uh, did Russ allow Bailey freaking Zappy to go 25 of 33? 256, two touchdowns, no picks, a 117.7 rating. Did Russ fumble the ball on a kick return to the five-yard line? Did Russ fumble the ball on a run like Javante Williams? No, he did not. But still responsible. I just think people, they have expectations, and they expect him to be Manning. They expect him to be Elway. They expect him to put this team on his back and carry them. And let us be realistic about John Elway at the, at, with the back-to-back 32 and 33. There was carrying going on. John was good. He wasn't, he wasn't good like he was his first, you know, after the first couple of years in Denver. Mm-hmm where he got them to Super Bowls basically on just his athleticism. Yeah. With a with a good group of receivers in the three amigos. They were not great as a collective. They were outstanding, but individually it was the mm-hmm. it was the complete package that made them special. But he needed three Hall of Famers on that offense and three more borderline Hall of Famers to win Super Bowls. Absolutely. Shannon Sharp and T D, most notably mm-hmm. T D. 
Zimmerman on that offensive line. Yeah, Nalen, Schlereth, Rod Smith, McCaffrey. And it was, and the focal line. point was what running the football. Yeah, with two thousand yard rusher, NFL MVP, and they won Super Bowls. But here's something interesting about when Denver. Remember when Denver's on the five game winning streak? Mm-hmm. That they averaged six point seven yards per pass attempt on the winning streak. That was twenty third in the league. They also gave up fourteen sacks when they were on the winning streak. That mm-hmm. was that was more than eleven other teams. 27th in red zone touchdown rate. And the running game, which we, the much ballyhooed running game, look how good the running game was. And they were 20th at four yards per carry and 21st in expected points added per rush metric. None of those numbers are great. They're, no. they're, all, they're all poor to pedestrian at, at best. But you know why that offense was so good? Why, why we talk about how good they were? Two things. Number one, during the mm-hmm. five-game winning streak, they forced 16 turnovers. Yeah. But offensively, how many times they turned it over during the five-game winning streak? Is it three? Three fumbles. But also, you take that a look was at it. their rushing numbers, yeah, weren't great. A lot of that's brought down by less than 50 yards against the Vikings. But the other four games of that five-game winning streak, More they bad. set their top three rushing yards for the season and four of the top five, 150, 145, 153, 122, 169. The, the three big numbers are their top three of the season. The 122 was tied for fifth most. So they were actually able to run the ball. It wasn't, you know, six yards a carry. They weren't out there like Alabama. They were effective running the football. Yes. Maybe, maybe not, not top five in the league or anything. But they had some success. Yeah, a lot more balance. And Russ wasn't turning it over. No. Even though the red zone numbers were not eye-popping, he was he was good. The Buffalo game, mm-hmm. he made big plays in the red zone. In that three-game winning streak, you know what their high-water mark was for yardage offensively in a game? I'll go 250. No, 339. Oh, 339, okay. That was the most they got, though, in a single game in that five-game winning streak. The rest were at 300 yards or under. So, I mean, they were able to. So, on the 250 territory, yeah. yeah. You know, so 250, 250 to 300 somewhere. But because they were working on short fields, they had a lot of possessions, and they were able to cash in points when they would get down deep. But that's an average football team. That's what happens. When you don't have those benefits, you lose games. And here's something else, too to ponder in this whole thing about where the Broncos are right now. They have four losses at home this season. And those four losses are to teams that have losing records. Mm-hmm. The Raiders, the Commanders, the Jets, and the Patriots. You know what the yep. total margin of defeat in those four games is? Total? Uh, total. I think it's nine? A little low. 16. Oh, okay. 16 points. Oh, the Jets game is 10 itself. Yeah. That's yeah. That they that they lost to teams with sub five hundred records by a total of sixteen points. They, mm-hmm. they win two of those. We're it's a little bit diff- they win all four of those games. We're talking about a different situation here for the Broncos. And really only one of those was one that just they were out of. The Jets, they lost yeah. by ten. Raiders was one point, commanders was two, Patriots were three. Those are all field goal games. And even the Jets game was 
It was close. Which was, was within their grasp and mm-hmm. late in the fourth quarter. There was the possibility of, of still maybe yeah. winning that football game. So there's a lot of things to think about with this. That number one, taking care of the football, which what happened the other night. Marvin Mims with a big fumble. Javante Williams with a fumble. They cost the Broncos dearly. And so that's that's something that you have to think about. You know, Wilson also had a fumble as well. And he was sacked in a 10-yard loss. Fortunately, they got it back. Denver was able to, to secure the football, but it was the 11th fumble by Wilson the season, tied for fourth most in the league. If you want to look at things that are problems with Russell Wilson, okay, that's one I'll give you. Russ has had a tendency, unfortunately, and, and something I think it was Dylan mentioned, tends on the ball a little too long. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make plays. And he's, at times, he's been his own worst enemy when it comes to turnovers. Bad picks, or in this case, fumbles have been problem. Fumbles have been his biggest problem because he's got, what, eight interceptions on the season. Yes. But he's fumbled the ball 11 times. And so for the Broncos... The during that five game winning streak, it gets back to football one oh one, does it not? They mm-hmm. forced turnovers, they didn't give the football up themselves. And with a a respectable running game, they had chances to win football games. Yeah. And it's not no so much the eight interceptions, it's ten fumbles. That hurts. That's what I was saying. Yeah, it's yeah, not the, it's not the interceptions. He's among the best in the league in that mm-hmm. category. But you take a look, hundred and three fumbles at this point in 11 plus years of NFL. I mean, he's about nine a season, eight or nine a season. So, I mean, he's again, right there with his career average. Russ has been more of a fumble than interception machine. That's just, again, it's just another thing that this is who Russ is. And it's not his fault. People expect him to be different. He got sacked 55 times last year. That was a career high. He's got 45 this year, which is kind of about average. I mean, this every metric you look at with Russ has been pretty much who Russ is. He is who you... He's exactly... He's he kind of, who we thought he he's is. He's who we thought he would be. Apparently not for a lot of fans. They expect him to be... I know, I know what they thought he was going to be. It's going to be Peyton Manning. He's not Peyton Manning. A mixture of Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Lamar Jackson. And he's none of those guys. No. Rhonda's got a text today. Russ is not the problem, but there are really, but are there really fans that think that? Yes, Rhonda, yes. there are. I know a lot of Broncos fans. My family, they've been Broncos fans since the 77 Super Bowl. I have not heard a lot of Russ the problem commentary. Rhonda, you must not go on social media very often. And bless you for that and choice. And bless you what? That's a good choice yeah, on your part. a good lifestyle choice. You have better things to do with your life than that. But it seems obvious that, uh, that Russ is not the case, or that, uh, that us is not the case. I agree. That's that, supposed to be Russ, not, yeah, not us. the United States. Yeah. Or I thought maybe us, yeah, maybe our maybe. family, since they don't think he's the problem. Anyway, I agree that the defense definitely let us down the last couple of games. Uh, when they came out and they were so hyped on the first series, I thought they were going to be okay, but not so much. Those are my thoughts for anyway, for whatever they are worth. And they're always, your thoughts always are always valued. worth it. Yeah, absolutely, Rhonda. 
Uh, Happy New Year, by the way, from Rhonda, and Happy New Year to, to you as well and your family. There are plenty of people in the media, there are plenty of people on social media that are fans that think Russ is the reason why the Broncos are not a, a 10 or 11 win football team right now. I agree with Brian in this. Does Russ play a role in this? Sure. He has to. If Russ comes up with a big throw on that final series in regulation, Denver goes down, kicks the field goal, wins it. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's another fourth quarter comeback for the guy that's the most fourth quarter comebacks in the league since 2012. The narratives, the narrative for a week changes again. But the one thing we've discovered about about the NFL, I think over the course of many years, but especially this season, mm-hmm. like you said earlier, we we don't really know football. Right. We don't we, really know what's going to happen. We don't really know what's going to happen. You can think things are going to happen and and things should play out a certain way. But like Denver beating a, well, then three-win football team in New England mm-hmm. with a bad offense, really good defense, top-tier defense, bad offense. But if you turn the ball over and you don't and you don't make plays on defense, you're going to lose football games. And that's what's happening to the Broncos right now. And that's why they have a 1.4% chance of being a playoff team at this moment. In the third quarter, the Patriots had six plays that went for at least 10 yards and had a scoop and score. There are some things this season that is Russ's fault. And there are some losses earlier in the year that are Russ's fault. This is not one of them. This game in a vacuum is not Russ's fault. Russ did not give up a 41-yard dime to Demario Douglas, did not get hurtled by Ezekiel Elliott, did not give up a 30-yard pass to Devontae Parker, did not allow Mike Gusecki to get open in the end zone, did not fumble the ball in the ensuing kickoff. Russ did none of those things. You went from leading 7-3 to trailing 23-7 in that exchange. All of those plays, Russ was not on the field for. Now, did maybe Russ not make some good decisions in that game? Sure. But down 9-7, it's not Russ's fault that they ended up, you know, having to punt or they called a weird timeout there in the middle or... He makes the completion, but then Javante Williams gets stopped up and you're looking at second and eight. And incomplete to Brandon Johnson because you have to rely on Brandon Johnson. No offense. Like, none of, well, Sarah, we had not Ryan, all of this is Russ's We fault. played the Ryan Harris interview. And what did Ryan say? He has no tight end. And he really doesn't. No. And as good a season as Cortland Sutton has had, he probably for a lot of teams would not be their top receiver. He'd probably be their number two guy. Leading targets in that game, five each for Jaleel McLaughlin, Samaj P. Ryan, Brandon Johnson, Lucas Kroll, and Jerry Judy. One of those guys is a starter in this league. I just don't know which yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At any given you time. Know, and, and just looking at the game log. There's two games where you can go, yeah, Russ played a huge role in them losing. Yep. Kansas City game on on the road mm-hmm. where they lost 19-8, to eight, where he threw the two interceptions. He only had 95 yards, didn't have a touchdown, but threw two picks. The Houston game where he threw three interceptions. 
those are a couple games where you go, yeah, Russ could Russ probably deserves a good share of the blame on that mm. for the way he played. The he, other ones you go, there's there's not a game here. Even the, the even the Miami game, which that was not his fault right. that they got they give up seventy points. The Miami game, his number three oh eight, touchdown and a pick. There's a like he took he took a bad sack, I think, if I remember correctly, in the Washington game. Yes. They he were did. ready to go in and score. They ended up kicking a field goal. They still had the lead at that point. There were a couple in there. Like he took a couple of bad sacks in that game. Deep, deep in Washington territory. But still three touchdowns and a pick, three oh eight. The, the overall numbers. Yeah, the box score looks the, good. The box score good, looks good, but you're right. A couple plays that mm-hmm. certainly. It's a Kirk Cousins box score a little bit. A, a little bit. You know, and so, but is but, that necessarily. But the defense also let Sam Howell. True. Go crazy in that game. That is a valid point as well. So to say, you know, Russ is responsible for that one, even though there are some things that are his fault. I don't think he's fully responsible. They lost the turnover battle, but they allowed Washington to go for 388 total offense. Not like, you know, Mark Rippon and Art Monk and Reggie Sanders type Washington. Sam Howell threw for 299 and two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. That hurts. You know, he's, he's very much a Kirk Cousins type player. A lot of the numbers look good. There's what... It's decisions deeper in the game log, right? But there are not any except for the one. I think Houston is the one I would sit on to where, yeah, that's probably Russ. Yeah. That well, and, and Dylan made the comment about holding the ball too long. That that becomes yeah. That that's a criticism because you you take a sack, you get hit like you did mm-hmm. in the Patriots game, or yeah, they recovered the fumble, but they lost ten yards, yeah. and it puts you behind the chains. And that's a problem, and, you, and you, you can't afford to do that. Right, and I was listening to, who was it? It might have been Ross Tucker, that throwing the ball incomplete on purpose is not what these guys are wired to do. Even 10, 12-year vets are got to make a completion, got to make a play, and especially when it doesn't matter what you do, you're not making enough plays, which is Russell Wilson's life this year. That's in his head a little bit. To where got to make a play, and yeah, he holds on to the ball too long. He, feels, he hears the he hears the whispers out there, right. well, the the screaming of "You're overpaid, you can't get it done anymore." And there's part of it that it's because there's no one able to get open. He doesn't have a guy that can get open when he needs to. Nice to have a tight end that could do that. How many they, they don't have that guy? Is it Cortland Sutton has to outjump somebody? Yes. He only outjumps him because he's blanketed because he can't get actually open. We got one uh, from RJ and Delta, listening on 102.1 FM. Jim is an outsider. Russ doesn't seem like the one who's causing the Broncos to lose games with his offensive playing on the field. The NFL is lacking outstanding quarterback play. We have seen in past seasons, it all comes down to Russ's supporting cast around him. And that's nothing Ryan Harris talked about. Mm-hmm. And RJ, thanks for the text. Um, that it's it's a case of look who the supporting cast is, and that's why it's, it's said, not great. It's kind of disingenuous for Brian Roth to ask, "Well, do you feel Russell is going to take you to the Super Bowl the next five years?" Well, by the end of that, he's going to be forty, and Tom Brady screwed it up for everybody. Yeah, like guys, Russell Wilson should be playing like this at thirty-six. This is how it's supposed to happen. 
I mean, people Once forget again, that. Once again, TB12's the outlier. He is not the norm. Well, we we talked about the story the other day about uh, Sean Merriman thinks that, that uh, oh gosh, uh, Phil Rivers could come back and still play and still wants to play. No. Phil's 42 now. And there was this interview with Sean Merriman about, yeah, he talks to Phil all the time. Phil would really love to come back and play. Okay. Well, that's great. Okay. There, there's opportunities there. I'm sure there are teams that would love to give Phillip Rivers mm-hmm. the, the chance to do I'm that. I'm sure Peyton Manning would love to come back and play, but he can't. And he knows. Yeah, I don't know if Rivers can or can, but the odds are probably no, mm-hmm. probably not. He's not where Joe Flacco was was still training, was still keeping himself available for somebody to make a phone call to him. And then the, the Browns made that call. Mm-hmm. That's not where Philip Rivers is right now. Phil, you know, Phil is not with his eight million kids. Yeah, out, out, you know, doing workouts, putting the, uh, having the kids out there doing a little seven on seven. At least he could run <laughs> seven on seven with all of his kids. He could. He, you know, he's not doing that. You want to talk about an outlier that is Tom Brady? Sean Merriman played eight years in the NFL, drafted five years after Tom Brady, retired ten years before. That's crazy. There's a lot That's, of. A lot of stuff with the Sean Merriman story, too. That uh, That's true. But yeah. also, like, I mean, you know, Russ needs to be making all these big plays. These Go back 15 years and tell me a 36-year-old quarterback where you're like, that guy's going to carry this team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't that's, happen. Brady's that guy. He's it. And may always be just, he may be the only one ever that's that guy. Russ may not be great, but his supporting cast isn't either. Yeah, let's let's be it's fair not about like this that. This team is wasted because of bad quarterback. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, we did have a qualifier, correct? Yes, we did. Waylon is the third and uh, final person to make the list. You just made the list. All right. So we'll draw a winner coming up in just a moment. We'll also have some garbage time as well. Time for that's the story of the greatest sport moment of all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, go back to 1953. The Detroit Lions edged the Cleveland Browns 17-16 to for the NFL championship. Yes. <laughs> Winning on a 33-yard pass and Doak Walker's extra point, 1959. If I, if I remember correctly, sorry. I believe that's the last time both the Lions and the Browns had double-digit wins this late in the season. In 1953. I believe that was the case. Well, it's been 30 years since the Lions won a division. So Browns even longer. Yeah. 1959, the Colts beat the Giants 31-16 in the NFL title game. Three field goals by Pat Summerall. Gave the Giants a 9-7 lead after three periods, but Baltimore makes three picks, uh, resulting in scores as Baltimore wins the championship. 1964, Browns break out after a scoreless first half with 17 points in the third quarter. And beat the Baltimore Colts 27-0 for the NFL title. Congratulations, yes. Buckeye. Yes. Also, another one for you. This is my my late holiday gift for you. Yay! 1974, Ohio State junior running back Archie Griffin wins Heisman Trophy. Still the only college player to win back-to-back Heisman Maybe trophies. Next year, he did it again. <laughs> he did it again. 1999, Joe Sackick scores his 1,000th career point on a second-period assist, helping the Avalanche beat the St. Louis Blues 5 to one. All right, we'll pick our uh, winner coming up in just a moment. Also, we'll have garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Craptastic. That's just crap. 
the team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 950 Jim and the Buckeye Boy. Text your call, 970-242-1340. All right, we're going to pick our winner okay. for Broncos Chargers tickets for this Sunday. So we've got uh, Daryl, David, Woo! and Wayland. Yep. Now, I did not. We have Chris Britt in with us, our buddy Chris. That's, Chris, that's how are like you? It's like a country music lineup. I know. <laughs> the good old boys. Yeah. <laughs> Daryl, David, and Wayland. The Highwaymen, too. So we didn't get what didn't didn't tell you numbers or anything. Nope. Did okay. not give him an order. Did not. Did not give him an order. So, Chris, pick either one, two, or three. Oh, this is tough on a holiday season here. I'm going to go with uh, number three. Number three is Waylon. All hey. right. Congratulations. Yeah. All right. You just made the list. Well, he was already on the list. but <laughs> So, congratulations, Waylon. Yes. Matt from our promotions department will get a hold of you. Yes, he will. And uh, you'll get your tickets uh, sent to you electronically, by the way. So uh, congratulations. That, that is Sunday afternoon. Denver with a 1.4 chance of making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So you're <laughs> saying there's, there's, a chance. there's still a chance. Uh, so Rio, you still wacko for Flacco over there? Absolutely. Got to be. Man. Yeah. Come on. Look at the way Old Joe Flacco's tearing playing. it up. Browns, Jets. Oh, Last time I watched these two teams play, Joe Flacco scored two touchdowns in the last minute 22 to beat the Browns in Cleveland. Wow, so Broncos, Chargers, Browns, there's a lot of bad football. Uh, how about Mason Rudolph? Hey, look, the, the one the one-time heir apparent yeah. could be the heir apparent again. Looks like he's going to get the start this weekend again. I think what happened is, you know, he played scared after he got, well, Miles Garrett whooped him with El his own home. Yeah, and he wasn't the same guy after that. But now I think it's been a long enough period when he played. It wasn't didn't look like he was completely terrified this time, so... A 298, couple touchdowns. Good. Good game. Hey, as long as he doesn't talk to the other team, he's got no reason to be afraid for his life. Yeah, don't talk about people's uh, ethnicity and their mama and stuff like that. Yeah, that's not a a good idea. So as long as he doesn't do anything stupid. I mean, I think if if they win this game, they'll probably just, we'll see Kenny next year probably. Yeah. Or maybe not at all. I don't know. Should be should be Mason Rudolph. Should be his job. I don't think yeah. all you know. <laughs> Not next all year. Mason, did, all the time. Does, does Mike Tomlin stick around for another year? Because that's been the you know, times the growing Who chorus of Bill Belichick. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows I, what's going to happen there? I don't think you. It's like, what are you going to? Who are you going to get? Mike like, Tomlin to the Chargers. I don't think Mike's a problem, but you know. And it's been a while since you've been on. You know, she got through Florida State here. Oh, we're going to get pounded on Saturday. So, <laughs> well, you're playing with your third string quarterback. You you okay after everything that happened no, with uh, getting no, you know? to get screwed? No. Yeah. So well, so Florida State's so mad about it, they decided to uh, leave the ACC now. So six hundred thirty million dollars. Yeah, that's going to take a lot. Well, they get the lawsuit though. That they're trying, they're that's true. They're, they're trying, trying to sue to them, sue the ACC, and and get out of the deal, saying that break they break up the grant of rights. Yeah, the grant of rights, which actually the ESPN ends their deal ends in twenty twenty seven, but the grant of rights is like through twenty thirty six. Yeah, forever. And it is. It's harder to view that than the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> they have to go to the office. They can't copy it. They can't take pictures. They can't take it out of the room. 
Oh my it's God. ridiculous. Nicholas Cage is trying to break yeah. in to steal it. <laughs> That's what he was trying to get after was the ACC's grant of rights. Exactly. Well, it wasn't the Declaration, of, the Independence, Declaration right? no. of Independence. No, he's like, heck with that. I want the ACC grant of rights. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think the Orange Bowl is going to be, it's going to be ugly. I mean, no, no running back. We got to, it's, it's going to be bad. It's going to be really Is Mike bad. Norvell opting out of coaching that game? <laughs> I would. It's like, you know what? I'm going to get ready for the NFL draft with my guys. Yeah, it's like, it's going to be, it's not going to be good. If you're going to be a coordinator in the NFL. And then, of course, the selection committee go, oh, I told you so. It's like, well, the reason when you guys screwed us, everyone left. So it's like, yeah. As bad as I feel for you, because you're a friend, feel Mm -hmm. bad for you, I still, Georgia to me is the one that totally got screwed. Well, I agree with you. You lose by three points in your conference championship game and you you drop all the way out. So they're like, hey, the two teams that got screwed the most can play each other. How about that? There There's a consolation prize. <laughs> exactly. It's like, uh, that doesn't help. And then you're exactly right. Florida State is just going to get wrecked. Oh, and the committee's going to be like, well, see. See, we told this you so. This is why we didn't put them in. Well, we're down 12 starters. Walk-ons. <laughs> like, yeah, walk-ons, yeah. We're just going to give out Florida State uniforms outside of the Orange yeah. Bowl. Well, you mentioned uh, necessary roughness earlier. Maybe Scott Bakula saw some throws left in that arm. It's eligibility Jason left. Jason Bateman against Georgia. <laughs> Put Bateman in the slot. Yeah. Man. Stone hands. <laughs> Could be interesting. What if some guy, what if a He was what, Hopke. There's I one think. thing that's going to be. Because there was Featherstone. That's true. And Featherstone was the guy that uh, he stuck the ball in his yeah, face mask. He, could be yeah. he was like the track the guy. Outside, and Jason he was Bateman Willie Gold. slot. Yep. Couldn't he couldn't catch a cold, but mm-hmm. uh, Ronaldo Nehemiah, yeah, that kind of guy. Maybe Jameis Winston had a year of eligibility left. The orange goal is going to be a lot of things. <laughs> Interesting is not one of them. Probably not. No, sorry, yeah, man. It's going to be rough and tumble. But all right, man. Have a happy new year. Happy new year. Yeah. Thanks for making a quick uh, cameo appearance on the program. It's been no a while. problem. My pleasure. All right, we'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Once again, holiday edition seven to nine because we have uh, tomorrow the Fenway Bowl at nine o'clock. On uh. uh, kind of cuts into our show tomorrow. But uh, Mark Johnson will join us on tomorrow's program. And up next, it's Jim Rome right here on the Team Sports Network. Enjoy the rest of your day.